welcome to the Inner Bitch, Inner Truth podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jacari, naturopathic doctor turned spiritual analyst, intuitive coach, acupuncturist, Reiki master, and mindfulness guide. Throughout my journey of working with others and healing myself, I have come to realize our suffering comes from resistance of where we are, of wanting things to be different. Once we can surrender to where we are and accept ourselves there, our entire world can change. This is where the title of this podcast comes from, through befriending my inner bitch, something that I hated so much about myself. I was able to hear my inner truth, my intuition, what my soul wanted me to do. And now I'm on a mission to help every single woman do the same. Each week, I bring you inspiring stories, people, and messages to help you lean into loving your emotions, transforming your relationship with yourself and others, and giving you the clarity you need to create a life you love. If you'd like to help the back end of this podcast, I would love to have you contribute. Any amount helps. The link is in the show notes. Let's get healing. And remember, stay easy on yourself. You're amazing just as you are. Today I have with me Dave Keenest, the keenest guest on the podcast I'll ever have. (laughs) He is my life coach and friend. And today I'm super excited about this conversation we're going to have because I feel like we always have like high level conversations, but then they don't get recorded. And so I'm just super excited about this. So thank you for taking the time to do this with me today. Thank you so much for um, being here, for inviting me. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I want to, I guess, touch on the magical aspect that you have and that um, I just, I'm like blown away every single time I get a text from you that we hadn't talked in a little bit. And then I get a text on a day where I'm going through some shit and you're like, oh, hey, like, is there anything I can do to support you? And it's like every freaking time. It's magical. So I just want to acknowledge that. I mean, not a, not that only, but it's like when we work together too, there's just a presence that you bring that is really hard to find. So I just wanted to like give you some praise right now. <laughs> I accept that acknowledgement. And I, um, I really, truly and greatly what you said. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And it's, it's, not, I mean, no, by no coincidence that your podcast, your podcast is called Magic Pisces. Yes, please tune in uh, to the Magic <laughs> Pisces. Um, it's when people hear Magic Pisces podcasts are like, ooh, what's this going to be all about? And it's typically me just talking a lot of shit um, and trying to sort of tie um, from a truly authentic place um, to try to uh, tie in all of the different variables that you know you see currently operating or what's the word I'm looking for the words missing me but all of the different variables that are going on in the world today it's just and trying to just sort them out more or less through stream of consciousness um talking I guess yeah because you bring you bring in a lot of the spiritual truths right Like, like that's the lens in which you're viewing the world 
can you talk a little bit about those like influences, those spiritual truth influences that you have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was, I had a, an experience almost 14 years ago. Uh, it would have been probably the second or third week in July of 2007. And I was in my second institution of uh, lower learning. So rehab, I was in rehab. Um, I had a, I, I was in the midst of a, an absolutely crippling addiction to about every single thing that you could think of underneath the sun. Um, and, uh, my life was, had been completely and totally destroyed. It had been shattered into millions of little pieces and there was nothing left of it except, uh, rehab. It was the only place that would take me. And, uh, as a result of ending up in the second treatment facility that I had been in, in a year, um, I started to pay attention to these people who were uh, members of an anonymous program and they spoke of spiritual concepts, such very simple ones, like doing the next right thing, um, clearing, cleaning up, intentionally cleaning up the wreckage of your past, making amends to those uh, who you've hurt, uh, taking a moral inventory, um, these types of things. And uh, I started to listen to them because there was nowhere else for me to go. So, you know, they say in addictions and alcoholism that the, the there's three outcomes, jails, institution, and death. Um, one of those three or God, spirituality, God, he, she, it, however it is you should choose to re relate to that uh, omnipresent being. Um, and, and so anyway, I started to, my ears started to kind of, I don't want to say perk up, but I started to pay attention to what these people were saying more than I had in the previous trip, you know, that I previous trip to rehab. And, um, and we're going to talk about arrogance later, I think, but the first trip I went, I was in, in the height of human arrogance. I wasn't going to hear anything about there being anything bigger, better, smarter than Dave. It was all of Dave's, what Dave said was what was, and that was it. And I, I was in, you know, uncoachable and unteachable. And, and that led me exactly where that was going to lead me. Um, and so uh, about six weeks after my first treatment center, I was found myself on the South side of Chicago, locked up in Cook County jail. I only spent one day there, but it was the worst day of my life. Anyway. So fast forward in 2007, I'm sitting at the end of a, end of a hall in the little rehab room, taking a nap. It's nap time before dinner. I have to have my head down and it's just, you know, it's awful being treated like a, like a child. Um, and all of a sudden I was reading this book and the word God, the book was a brief history of time by Stephen Hawking and the word God jumped off the page. Um, and, and all of a sudden I was like surrounded in this white light and there was this like burning bush moment. And I felt the presence of angels and God spirit, whatever it is you choose to call it. And, um, and I was completely and totally reborn in that moment. And I hit my knees and I said, whatever it is, whatever you are, I am yours. And I actually wrote a song about it um, called the God song. And the, the, the chorus of the God song is it came shining through dusty blinds in a dim lit room. I saw the light. I saw the light. And, um, and so from that um, moment, I embraced a very traditional path of 12 step recovery uh, through an anonymous program that I gave my, I turned my, my will over to that and it, it did what it does. Um, it's not something I entered into debates around or anything like that. Um, and then that led me to, um, to a few years later to Course in Miracles, um, which is a very profound, very seemingly complex, but also very simple spiritual program, uh, self-study program, and also the work of Dr. David Hawkins. 
who I find to be one of the most significant spiritual uh, beings to ever exist on planet Earth. Um, and it's so cool because he's just this, this American dude from um, Arizona, you know, is where he settled and lived the, the end of his life. And it's, it's interesting because there's a, there's a very, very profound, um, powerful spirituality that actually flows, that, that actually has, there are very powerful spiritual systems that have manifested from the United States. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is from the U.S. in 1935, Course in Miracles 1965, David Hawkins in the 1990s and early 2000s, along with the Seth books and the Law of Attraction stuff also. It's all American. And so that's something that I don't think the United States gets um, a lot of recognition for. And according to David Hawkins, the United States Constitution um, was actually borrowed from the Constitution of the Iroquois Nation. Um, and it exists so as to uh, ensure a, what essentially amounts to a spiritual freedom, a, spirit, uh, a freedom for the individual to express itself um, to the fullest extent unhindered. So I, that's a little bit of a, a long answer, but um, I take my relationship with spirit very, very seriously, but also very, very playfully. You know, it's not fun if it's all serious. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for, I didn't know some of that stuff. So thank you for sharing that story. Do you know, so David Hawkins is, uh, he's the one that mapped consciousness levels, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the Declaration of Independence, like where it, it ranks on the consciousness scale? Approximately 700. Okay, I forget. What, what, where's like unconditional love at? Unconditional love is 540. Um, okay. And uh, the United States Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, I believe, are both 700 or 750. They're very high. Okay. Um, you know, there's some interest. I don't want to get into like the whole political um, climate right now, but there's a lot of subversion of it, which is something to pay a little bit of attention to, because I find a lot of people um, don't understand the spiritual significance of the United States Constitution. It's a very, there are many, many who argue that it's the most powerful document ever created in the history of the entire planet. Um, and so, you know, there's just some things to pay attention to there, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I just have one question, because you do talk about this on your podcast, and I think, um, there's a lot that I haven't spoke up about besides for saying very neutral in that if you think that your truth is like the only correct truth, then you need to question the shit out of yourself and to uh, not, not uh, right away judge other people for what they believe to be true, because what is truth? And there, we all have these different you know, perspectives and influence bubbles. And there's a reason why we've created the stance that we've created. And so that's, that's where I've like hung out and kind of stayed because I don't want to get into like any sort of, uh, I don't know, just like spiraling, circling conversations where if, if you're not open to having a conversation that could potentially change your perspective, like I don't want to be in a conversation with someone who's just a wall, right? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. And I'm, what I'm finding is um, I find myself in a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations at like the coffee shop where I hang out at um, and just amongst friends and people like you um, with people who are willing to listen. And um, I think that it's a, it's, 
it's a it's a horrendous tragedy that there are so many people on basically both sides of the spectrum who are completely who have commitments to misunderstanding one another deep commitments to misunderstanding mm. one another um i find that to be incredibly unfortunate you know i've um i had a um i have an african-american close friend close african-american friend um who is one of my spirit most most um significant spiritual people a person i turn to for spiritual advice and um when Trump was elected, I was ready to like, you know, I think I, I think I unfriended my mom and my dad on Facebook, and, you know, cause they voted for Trump. And, and I called this person, this is a black man from the South side of Chicago. And he said, well, did you ask your parents why they voted for Trump? And I said, no. And he said, well, maybe that would be a step in the right direction. And so I find that just getting curious about where people come from, um, just the curiosity alone is a, a, a quality of consciousness that can really move, move you forward, you know? And a lot of, I think a lot of people are, are committed to thinking that they know versus really getting curious as to where other people are coming from. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So from here, I guess we can talk about the arrogance and the judgment versus discernment and how to kind of know like when you are, um, I mean, I, I do want to shift away from the politics talk. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Opening. Yeah, right. Um, cause I think one thing with, cause, cause I think what we were just talking about is like seeing truth and what's actually true and being discerning with all of the information that's available to you. It's like, what is true and what is just, um, you know, influences that have been convinced because they only find the evidence to support their case and they totally neglect all of the other evidence or whatever. Um, because I think for me, with a lot of the work that I do with, uh, with other people and just reading the energy dynamics of certain relationships, and it's like I can be very direct in what I'm saying. And I think that I've been judged on just if, I, if I'm explaining a relationship dynamic where it's like you got a codependent locked in with a narcissist, and it's like that's just the way that the energy systems work. That's, that's the, that's how they program to be together. That's how they are a vibrational match for each other. And it's like, if I'm talking about someone who is a codependent and all of the different characteristics that go along with that, I get people saying, well, she had it hard. She had a hard life or this happened to her and this happened to her. And there's all these excuses that get like blamed on me. And then I'm the bad one because I put a term in which her energy system is true but there's this, um, I just think that so many people view the world through this judgment lens where then they assume that people who are speaking the truth of energy dynamics, that we are also judging. When really, I think a lot of the time I'm in discernment because I'm in this like emotionally neutral state and I'm just reading the energy. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything's wrong with the way that they are. I'm just saying like, that's how that was created. Um, I guess I'm just wondering if you had similar experiences or what, I guess what your thoughts on that are. Well, it's, you know, it, it was, I have, there have been people I've worked with in the past who, um, because of the way that I delivered the message that I saw was to be delivered, 
Um, and perhaps I wasn't entirely connected to spirit in the moments I said the things that I felt I needed to say, but I alienated um, those people because there's a don't blame the messenger side of it, but then there's also, I think that it's our job as messengers to be as graceful as we possibly can in the way that we deliver the things that we're guided to deliver. And the, I think it's the paradox of that. I think it's paradox, but, but the only way to get better at that is by being less than graceful. So the only way to become more graceful is by being ungraceful. And, you know, you might, that might require cleaning some things up, you know, from time to time. Um, but I think that there's a, um, a relationship between practice or, yeah, like, like practicing and showing up to apply your, your craft and power and grace and truth also. Yeah. As you're saying this, I'm just like light bulbs are going off for me because I think that I too have this, um, well, it's like an arrogance wound, but it's also like the bitch wound where I have been told my entire life that I need softer edges because I'm very direct. I'm a very, I just, I just say it into like, to me, it, like, I don't mean any harm by it. And I'm not, you know, in the moment, I'm, I don't think that I'm doing anything, but something that you taught me uh, a lot and which has really helped me in my work is that it's, it's not only just me and my conscious intentions, it's also my unconscious shit that's following me around that could be kind of hijacking coming in and then being part of that, that energy exchange with that person. Yeah. And I think, I think that what happens is um, the course of miracles refers it refers to it as the unhealed healer. And so very often it's, I was actually chatting with a, a very close friend of mine who has been, who's an incredibly gifted psychotherapist. Um, and, we were talking about, we were kind of beating, I was beating myself up for the times that I had projected with clients. And, and she basically, she said, there's not really any way for you to become masterful at facilitating transformation or healing in human beings without projecting. Because yeah. each person that you could go to, you could go to school for the rest of eternity and but eventually you're going to have a person in front of you who's coming to you for a specific reason and you're not going to do that perfectly at first there's just no way around it and so i think it just begs the i think it begs questions regarding compassion for self you know ultimately and did you do your best and is there anything to clean up yeah yeah definitely yeah it's interesting because oh. typically Typically that, like I get that um, misunderstood and like not received outside of my, like when I'm in my client calls, I feel like I kind of take on this whole energy of itself, but then it's on, it's in my life that I'm so, this is a huge story for me is that I'm so misunderstood and people think that I think that I'm better than them and that, um, you know, Sarah knows best and Sarah, she's the idealist one and she's going to just keep fighting and she's going to like push you down out of her way until she gets to the top. Like, I just feel like that's a story that has been, I mean, 
that I've told myself, but then also has, it's like from other people in my life and things that I've heard of them saying about me, like, that's just, that I don't know. That's just like a story and energy that I am working through. So I don't know if that leads into what you wanted to talk about in terms of arrogance or not, but that's my version of it, I guess. Well, no, I mean, I just, I think that um, God puts other people in our path to teach us things. And um, every person is a teacher and you can allow them to be that, or you can curse them for being that. You can be grateful for that, or you can curse them for that. And it's really hard. I mean, like, cause it's funny. I mean, if you, if you listen to my podcast, I go off in these tangents sometimes that are, I've gotten feedback and been told that I'm far less than great, graceful or compassionate in what it is that I'm saying. And the only way, f- and, but, but, but then what I'm very reliable to do is to course correct in the next episode and thank the person who reached out to me um, for slapping me, you know, slapping me upside the head. And I find that, I mean, spiritual, the, the, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to blow. I don't want to, um, I'm a member of anonymous program, right? And some of the people in these programs are completely freaking insane and also completely, you know, like myself and also completely very, very, it's almost like the, the insanity is juxtaposed with the divinity. So the crazier you can be in one moment when you're caught in that woundedness, that inner child abandonment, you know, what um, the farther that you could go to one direction is kind of the pendulum can swing back towards spirit just as far. And so, um, you know, Marianne Williamson has this great quote um, about, uh, she's a, a, a very, 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 very brilliant minister of the Course in Miracles. And she's very underrated. She's an amazing, amazing contribution to, to this world. And, and um, she says, it's really easy to act enlightened when someone's showing you enlightened behavior. You know, and the growth happens when somebody pisses you off. I mean, the growth happens when you're behind somebody in the grocery store line and they're taking too long with their coupons or, you know, somebody's in front of you ordering a taco and they're asking the person who's taking their order too many questions and you're hungry. That's where, that's where spiritual work happens. It doesn't happen in happy. I mean, it can, of course, happen in happy moments, but it happens when you're sad. It happens when you're angry. It happens when life becomes a certain something that only spirit can relieve you of. And in those moments, that's when you have to claw the hardest to reach to, to contact spirit. You know, like the Course of Miracles lesson 34 is I could see peace instead of this. Okay, great. But this person is seriously pissing me off. You know, and it's like serenity now from Seinfeld, like serenity now. I could see peace instead of this. I could see peace instead of this. I could see peace instead of this. But not to go off on a Course of Miracles tangent, but what the Course of Miracles does is it provides a structure of 365 daily lessons that if you work them to the best of your ability, what happens is the, the, those sorts of communications from spirit, like I could see peace instead of this, becoming a, become a working part of the mind. And so then what happens is your physiology starts to reprogram itself. Because when you're angry, you're actually 
having an experience of emotional intoxication as a result of the chemicals that are being released into your system in those moments. Right. So, and, and we get addicted to the way we feel, you know, we get addicted to heartbreak. We get addicted to anger and, and it's in those moments, there are spiritual opportunities that doesn't make it easy. You know, if you want to bench press 300 pounds, you got to start with 95 or a hundred, you know, so it takes work and you're building spiritual muscles every time someone shows up as a supposed adversary. Yeah. I felt in my life recently, along with that same, like the misunderstood and being judged. And it's almost like where I'm at with just, um, I guess you could say like reading how people are being affected by me. It's like, I, I know when I'm being judged and it's almost like I have to I've been like having to just melt into it and just like breathe through like, okay, this is, this is about their perspective. This isn't about me. What is it that you think you trigger in people? I think that I have a directness and a power to my being that other people might get freaked out about. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I have it that you have within you that you possess the ability and or power, whatever it is you like to call it, to bankrupt people's existences, bankrupt people's existence. Can you elaborate? Yeah, like I have it that you, you, can, um, you can just cut to the heart of a person's existence really quickly and, and, and profoundly in such a way that it's kind of like they know you're telling them they... they they're mad because they know you're right, but they're, but they're not necessarily aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is it. I, I've been called a disruptor multiple times because I, I see potential. Like I can see when someone can live, be living in a higher vibration of existence of, of, um, of experience. Like, I think that we have these different, uh, varying levels of experience all through our life. And, and at any given point in time, you could be living a higher vibrational experience if you choose to. And if you see, if you can see that choice and then make that choice, even if it's scary. And I just think that a lot of the wounding that people have is what prevents them from even seeing that they have a different choice. Well, and I, you know, I think um, when I'm working with people, the first I mean, the first several calls, one of the most fundamental themes of the first handful of um, calls we have has to do with just creating awareness, creating awareness so as to present people with different choices. So most of us, you know, I didn't really like I didn't when I was when I was so deeply caught in the throes of addiction. Um. I didn't even realize I had a choice, you know? And I remember this one guy, I was, I was in my like second or third detox center, right? <laughs> Can't even remember. And some dude came in, you know, to like, as a guest speaker, you know what I mean? Like inspirational dude who, who had cleaned his life up. And he just said, he, he, he said, you all realize that you do have a choice, right? He just said, you realize you don't ever have to use drugs or alcohol again, right? And, and there was just something about the way that he said it in that moment in time 
that implanted itself into my consciousness and I couldn't get rid of it. I was like, God damn, I have a freaking choice. And that didn't mean that the path ahead to sobriety, and this was a, a easily a year before I finally got sober, right? Um, but that little choice, that, that little nugget of wisdom that he implanted into my consciousness bankrupted. It, every time that I went out to use drugs from there on out, I heard this freaking guy, his name was Sterling. I remember so clearly, he's just some dude. If you're walking down the street, you, you saw Martin on the street, you wouldn't think he's this spiritual wisdom imparter guy. You know what I mean? He's just some dude in Rockford, Illinois, right? And he says, you have a choice. And then I cannot exist without that little nugget of wisdom. And it ruined my drug use. And so once we realize we have that choice, I don't need to be angry at this person in the grocery store. I'm at the grocery store. I'm actually choosing to be angry at them. And if I want to choose to seek peace, then I need to exercise the peace muscle instead of the anger muscle. And the anger muscle is rooted in some shit that happened to me when I was like two or one, or maybe in a past life, who knows? And this life is the one that we have to deal with it. Yeah. <clears throat> so something along with that, I have, I have multiple thoughts. I guess the first one real quick is that it's, I just think it's so beautiful how you could have heard you could have heard that you have a choice multiple times, but it took that one person at that one specific time on that one day, and that's when you are ready to receive it. Um, I just think that that's really beautiful, and I love how that works. It's like we're when we're ready to heal, hear something, it's like we end up hearing it. Um, and then the other thing, a really huge thing that you taught me, and I don't even know if I've told you about this or shared this with you, is that you taught me healing begins with a big fuck you. And it was literally me having the permission to choose to be angry, to finally express the anger that I had been shoving down for so long. It's like in expressing that anger, it took about a year and a half, but after that year and a half, like, so, you know, I, I finally was angry about the thing and then a year and a half later, I have a healing family. I have a healing family that actually communicates now and is vulnerable and is honest and transparent. And we're having these really beautiful conversations and loving conversations after a lot of really hard ones. But it, I don't think it ever would have gotten to this place that it's it right now, at right now without me being first angry. So I guess I want to just Thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank you. And yeah, I think it's, uh, um, yeah, forgiveness, forgiveness begins with a great big fuck you. And, and, and we're not, um, we're not Jesus Christ on the cross, just being able to say, I forgive you, forgive them father. They know not what they do. It's like, dude, these, you fucking nailed me to a cross. This fucking hurts, you know, like, cause we're not that in light. We're not as enlightened as he, he was. You know, and so um, I find a lot of um, a lot of like, quote unquote, spiritual um, people are they get caught up in the by They they just want all to be love and light. I call it yoga pants spirituality. They want it to be all love and light. And there's a lot of spiritual bypassing um, because they get to there's a lot of and I'm trying not to 
overgeneralize groups of people in general. That's something I tend to do. But um, a lot of people you'll see skipping over the fuck you part and trying to go straight to the love and light part. Like I'm a star seed or I'm some appointed whatever. And they overstep the, the working through of those very difficult, challenging emotions. And then they put a costume on top of it and then they project from that costume. Um, and uh, I don't, I, I mean, I think that we're all angry. I think it's part of the human experience is, is anger and, and I think if you're not honoring that, you're really doing yourself and the world a disservice. Um, yeah. And then also like not, you know, I lost my temper a few weeks ago. You know, it just, it happens. Like it had been a, a long, it had been a long time. It had been years since I kind of flew off the handle and, you know, put my fist on place where I, I shouldn't have, but um, not a person, mind you. <laughs> They're still clear. I was not a person, but it just happened, you know, it just happened like this day was going weird and then another weird thing happened on top of another weird and another weird thing. And then next thing I knew, and it's just part of the human experience. You know, all there is to do is forgive myself and forgive yourself if you behave that way and, and move on. It's okay. You know, and, and, and relationships, other human beings are the ones who are going to drive that stuff up the most. Yeah. For me, I think the most important thing is take responsibility for it. Like, it's okay. It's part of the natural human experience. But when it happens, say, okay, it's okay, Sarah. Like, you just did this, but now you have to apologize. Totally. And um, I think I, I think responsibility, I, I've been talking about this lately with clients. Um, responsibility is a sacred proposition. Like, when you really think about it. Like, like responsibility is like... We hold it, we hold it in this language-based container where it's like, I gotta be responsible with my this and my that. And you know, it's like this, it's a whole bunch of things that you should do in order to be whatever. But really, when you think about it, we possess within us the ability to be entirely responsible for all of it. Like what if you were, what if it was only you and if you believe in God and God? You, in, 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 in connection with a higher power, in relationship with a higher power, were responsible for your entire existence. And that is sacred, in my, in my opinion. And, and your job then is to show up to this life, this experience in a particular way that honors that notion that responsibility is sacred. And sometimes that just involves like little stuff like, hey, I'm sorry I, if what I said offended you or maybe it's big stuff. Like you have to create a business or there's a field of dreams for you to build or whatever, you know, or an instrument to learn or something. Um, but I just find resp responsibility and choice. Choice is also very, it's sacred. You know, I've heard that um, uh, according to David Hawkins, right? Like there are like angels don't have free will. Angels have to do what God says, if you believe in that, right? And if you have a guardian angel, your guardian, we all do, your guardian angel has to show up when you ask for him or her it to show up. It has no choice. It is a, like the slave to God, the slave to the light. And we actually have choice. And that's fascinating, you know, fascinating to ponder that we actually have choice and we get to be responsible. Yeah. And we don't, have was, to, you know, we don't have to be perfect at it. Oh. Yeah. Um, there's a 
fire truck going by, Reese is about to go nuts. Um, okay. When I was working with uh, the shaman that I used to study with, he would always say, you need to remember that like angels can't eat oranges. I think back then I didn't really fully understand it, but it goes to exactly what you're saying, where it's like, we are on the plane of existence where you can experience and you get to choose that experience. Yeah, it's really, um, I mean, life is just, you know, it's interesting because living in California and being from Chicago and living in, Cal in Colorado for so long, like Colorado, California are filled with people who leave places like the Midwest to go live more. You know, because I hear there are mountains out there and you can ride a snowboard down the mountains and there's an ocean and you could go surfing on the ocean. And, and it's just, it's, and, and I mean, not to categorize everybody in the Midwest, but there's, there's less of a, there's more, there seems to be more of a focus on survival versus really living, you know? I could see that. Yeah. And it's just like, life is just such a, it's just such a gift. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the, um, the experiences in rehab for, for anything. I mean, I wouldn't take those, I wouldn't give those experiences back to the universe, you know, cause they're just part of this beautiful experience, you know? I want to go back a little bit to what you're saying about yoga pant spirituality. I went through like a really hard time, 2016 awful toxic relationship got out of that my friend told me about the shaman I went to this shaman and started getting all this healing done he was blowing my mind about the things that he could see about me and the things he knew about me and I started studying with him uh, developing my own intuition and became like did the, all the Reiki stuff you know moved up one two three master and then um it, it just got to the point where I was meeting so many people who were the yoga pant spiritual stuff. Like I could just see that they were these people who thought that they were so much better than everyone else. And yet they weren't doing their own deep work. And so that's kind of when I turned and went a, like head first into personal development and into more of that. I mean, it still has some spirituality within it, but it's like, it focused more on the practical things that change and help heal you heal your wounds. Um, and I guess I I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, let's, we can still go back and like play with the energy. Cause I can like feel things and see things and have these like crazy out of body experiences. Like all of that is really cool. Uh, and I just, I love how you talk about this because you talk about it as if, um, you know, people get lost within the astral realm. And you talk about it, how David Hawkins is like straight and narrow is the way to go. So do you mind just kind of giving a brief overview of that entire thing through your perspective? Well, yeah, I got, um, I got, I don't want to use caught up is too, um, it's not, it's for lack of a better way of expressing it, but I got caught up in the spirit, spirit medicine world with ayahuasca that those it's very you have such powerful profound life-changing transformational experiences with the ingestion of that substance it's magic beyond belief it just exposes it just presents the all the wisdom of the entire universe and all the cosmos that was ever could ever be invented times 
you know, a thousand, like it just creates this mind blowing experience. And it's very easy to label that spiritual, but that was astral. So that was an occult, O-C-C-U-L-T experience, occult. Like you're messing with unseen forces. The forces are real. The spirit world is totally real. The uh, beings that you encounter in those experiences are real, but you do not know that they are beings of integrity. They're very good at disguising themselves as beings of integrity. They're very good at seducing you into believing they're beings of integrity. And they're very good at preying upon the weak. Right. Um, and, um, the, and, and the spiritual aspirant is a particular, particularly ripe target. Right. And so what happened to me that I'm just speaking from my personal experience. Right. Um, but what happened is I started to become seduced by that world. And, and I started to think I was straight up better than you, better than everybody, smarter than the whole freaking world because, and what happened was I started to stray away from very, very narrow spiritual path um, that involves, um, you know, people don't understand the spiritual significance of a simple apology and admission that you were wrong. Spiritual significance of seeing the three fingers that are pointed at you when you're pointing your finger at someone else, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the spiritual significance of just sitting quietly for two minutes and seeing if you get a quote unquote download, you know what I mean? And so that, is, you know, one of the things Hawkins emphasizes again and again and again is that that astral world is real and don't go there. And um, I started to get, you know, when I start, I got really into that world and very strange things started to manifest in my three-dimensional reality. Um, you know, I felt one time as if I had literally been pushed off my skateboard by something. My apartment got broken into, stuff got stolen. I don't know if I'm going too far in this chair or whatever, but it got very weird. Um, you know, electronic devices were turning on in my bedroom at night, um, stuff like that, just weird stuff. And, and, there's a part of you that wants to say, oh, I'm so cool because these things are happening to me. And you go tell your other spiritual friends and they go, ooh, it must be your guides coming to you, you know, and it just turns into this mishmash. And all of these people I'm talking to are all inside of this wacky little world, right? And then it gets all kind of, dr- there's like a drama element to it also. And then it just turns into a shit show, but a shit show in which you've opened doors that are not necessarily easy to close. And so what happened to me is I ended up incredibly depressed, um, incredibly, I mean, suicidal. And it was a matter. And again, I'm speaking from my personal experience. This is just me. Um, uh, and the, the, the path back was to go back to the Shambhala Center, you know, in downtown Chicago and sit and meditate for 30 minutes at a time. And there's nothing glamorous about that. There's nothing fun about that. It's, you know, not everybody there was hot. You know what I mean? Like, if the, like where I, it's like yoga pants spirituality. Everybody's hot and has like beads and is like dancing around and screwing and like calling that whatever. It's like Burning Man, whatever. <laughs> and, and that's not spirituality. That's, that's something. And you're dabbling with the unreal there. And it doesn't mean that it's entirely inappropriate or that it's bad or that it's wrong. 
or that you shouldn't do it, but there's just be wary because that's not really spirit, spirituality. Spirituality is like, I can't handle this, God. You can. I'm going to surrender my will to you in this moment. And what that looks like is I need to show up and help my parents move. That's it. You know, yeah. the next thing. The next, like, and I learned this from these hardcore recovering alcoholic blue collar, like Chicago firefighters and cops and like blue, you know, iron workers at this particular gathering I would go to on a weekly basis. I learned do the next right thing. That's spirituality. And it's like everything that you need to know you learn in kindergarten, like just, just make a list of the people you owe apologies to and make them and then see what your experience of life is like after that. You know, and so the astral circus, Hawkins refers to it as the astral circus. And he says that there are an infinite number of beings and an infinite number of regions and an infinite number of whatevers with an infinite number of agendas. And you do not know what they are. There's no way to calibrate, as the language he uses. There's no way to calibrate the intentions of what uh, comes to you when you're playing with a Ouija board. The Ouija board moves and you're like, Oh, cool. The Ouija board moved, but you don't know what the heck moved that. You just, you just assume it was good or you don't necessarily assume it was good, but you know, you're just opening a door there. So I hope that's not too long of an answer. No, I loved it. Thank you for sharing that. There's a lot that I learned, you know, about ways to like manipulate energy and, um, you know, like the whole shamanism slash medicine woman, which sort of, uh, realm I've learned a lot within that. And there's some, um, there is a dark side and there is a light side. And I've, I've stuck only, I've, I've only been brave enough to do what I think is the light stuff, um, where it's not like pointed and affecting, you know, no harm coming to anyone else. It's more so to like dissolve the energy between people that I'm having like a hard time with. Like that's what I've done within that realm. And you told me a story once about, um, maybe the darker side, would you say? Do you, do you mind sharing? You're referring to the spell? The, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got, you know, I, I, got in, I was involved with someone I shouldn't have been. And uh, this person was not um, finished being involved with the person they were involved with before me. And um, that person uh, basically threatened me. I mean, in, in a very serious way. Very serious way. And I was scared. Um, I, this is more than this is years ago now but um yeah and so i i put a spell on that person i put a hex i went and i found a spell and i consulted with this spell person i happen to know from that other world i mentioned before and um that person went away i mean i don't mean they died or anything like that um but that person ceased harassing me um but then what happened was um i got i i could feel I could feel the power of the spell taking. So I felt like it, it felt as if there was a knot being tied. It's the only way I can explain it. And there was like this incantation, fucking candles lit. It was fucking crazy. You know what I mean? And all of this, by the way, is related to childhood dysfunction. It all goes back to childhood dysfunction and what was I, blah, 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 blah. That's all. Entire other universe to go into, like the woundedness of the inner child. But um, yeah, and then uh, I got. Uh, I guess you might say I got visited by some beings uh, soon after the spell took and it created this kind of messy 
little situation I had to squirm my way out of. And um, magic, what I discovered is magic is real and also magic has consequences. So if you go summoning some force out there in the universe to make someone stop bothering you, you are fucking with a karmic field and a, a vibrational stuff. You have absolutely no idea what the hell you're doing. Um, and everything comes back. Nobody gets away with anything. And what I learned from that is um, to navigate through life with integrity moving forward. You know, because had I, had I checked my integrity at the very beginning of the situation, the whole situation wouldn't have happened in the first place. You know what I mean? Right, right. So like, what's that? Well, I was just going to say thank you for sharing that because I think People, people either don't think it's real at all, or they think that they're totally in control of what's going to happen. Yeah, and they're completely not. And like, I'm a person, I can definitely fit into the category of the um, unwary. You know, so I can, I can, I can, I can be one of those very naive seekers. I still there's a part of me that's very naive and very childlike and very just believes everything. And, um, and that, you know, that you, you can become susceptible. I have a lot of that within me as well. But I think when I started realizing, like, I could see the truth in the people that I was kind of around and learning from. And, and it was like, there's something here that's just not right. Um, and I've also met some very interesting people who talk all about how they like they have to protect themselves from the darkness and there's darkness all around you all the time and and I guess I'm saying this and sharing this because I want to know your perspective on this but I have the perspective where like with if you're integral and if you like whatever you're having with your your intentions like your intentions it is what kind of sets the stage for the energy that's that's my perspective and um I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I don't like focusing on the darkness and like the th- the things that I could be potentially opening myself up to. Um, but like I do the, you know, energy work and distance energy work. Like I did that, like the session that I had for you when you got hurt, I literally went to a different dimension of being, and I don't know how else to describe that space besides for I was outside of my body within this like darkness using fire to manipulate your energy like I don't know how else to describe that and I think for me I like I think for me it's only possible for me to go to those spaces and do those things if I'm not focused on any sort of darkness because as soon as I let that thought come in I can I'll I'll, like freak out yeah I don't know I the word that comes to mind that just kept popping into my mind was COVID, right? Um, like COVID, I've never been afraid of COVID. Um, I wasn't ever afraid of it. Um, and that doesn't mean that I wasn't cautious around it. I, I, you know, from the absolute very beginning, I followed the protocols of some very, some very spe- specific people who I trust to an enormous extent. And, and I stayed the heck away from people. You know, I stayed within a safe proximity of people for the most part. And I was outside and I'm still not all, all that, I don't feel all that comfortable in enclosed spaces now. Anyway, I live in California, so we get to be outside, you know, I mean, all the time basically. But um, 
I wasn't afraid of it, but I was honoring it, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I just see a lot of people just got, not to turn this into big COVID, but a lot of people just got sucked right into that fear rabbit hole. Like, someone referred to it as fear porn the other day. I'm like, that's exactly what it is, is fear porn, you know? And, and, um, and so there's a, certainly a reverence for it. There was never any denial, even sort of, just like all the other, you know, and perhaps the COVID is an expression of a deeper darkness or whatever. So it's not something to be afraid of, but it's not something to pretend doesn't exist. You know what I mean? And it's not something to, uh, to play flippantly with, you know what I mean? Or to assume can't get you. Right. That's probably my own arrogance coming out is like, oh no, I'm too pure for darkness to get me. <laughs> exactly. So, which I'm prone to also like, oh, I'll just place it in God. Say, well, God, if you pay attention, God might be telling you to like, not go into that enclosed, in the, into that elevator without a mask if you're paying attention, you know? Yeah. So. Can, we, can we talk a little bit about how, how you hear God, like what that actually, what that actual experience is like for you? I mean, I don't, I'm not one of those people that like, I have a very close friend and colleague and like God just speaks to him basically directly, you know, but there's, if you look at the 12 steps, the 11th step is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. As we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And so, um, it's like a God consciousness. Like for me, I get messages from God when I'm not really looking for them. Um, they just sort of, you know, one, one thing that you can do, this is great. You just sit down with a notebook and, and just say, God, what is your will for me? And then you just sit there and you write it down. That's it. And then you review it. And if it's not, and if God said that you should punch your next door neighbor in the face, the next time you see them, that's not from God because it's not from love. And so you just kind of um, read it over. Is that loving and does that help the world? Yes. Okay, then that's probably from God. And then sometimes you seek other counsel. So I might call you up or somebody else up and say, hey, would you go over my list with me? And it's like, again, it comes back to that GED simple. GED simple. You don't need to go to an ayahuasca ceremony to talk to God. You can talk to God right there at your kitchen table if you have five minutes in a pen and paper or you know a super fascinating thing to do is um if you want to talk to your inner child this is a little bit off a little bit off topic but you know if you take your you take out a notebook and you write ask a question of your inner child like hey little dave how are you doing today and then you take the opposite hand your left hand if you're right-handed you write the question with your right hand and then you take your left hand and you answer the question and you'll find yourself back in like your first grade desk learning how to write again because it's your non-dominant hand. And you get these, your inner, your inner child or whatever that expression of consciousness is that comes through will blow your mind with what shows up. Super cool. And again, like you don't need an incantation in a candle and a, you know, to curse somebody or whatever. By the way, with the spell, I specifically... I specifically requested of spirit. I didn't want any harm caused to anyone at all for the record. <laughs> yeah. But um, I learned enough to, to never do one of those ever again, no matter what. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious. Cause I, that's another really big thing that you taught me was wait for the inspiration to come. And then that's when you take the action. 
Yeah, totally. Like Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, um, Big Magic, you know, she says ideas are, t- are they floating around in the ether and they implant themselves into a human host when they want to be seen through to fruition. And so whatever, you know, inspiration is in spirit. It's God speaking to you and it's God telling you to go do something. And then inspiration plus integrity is aligning your intentions, your words, and your actions is what gets you an outcome. And if you look at the most successful people ever in the history of the world, there are people who are inspired who then did something about it. You know, that's why entrepreneurship to be so fascinating because entrepreneurs are inspired people and they're on a lot of them are on very good, good, good missions that they get paid well for as they should, because it requires so much work to create massive levels of success. It just does. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Who you so, but those people are following through with the things that inspire them, which, you know, Apple is a prime example. I'm talking to you on a, I, the, I'm talking to you now on zoom because Steve jobs has, who died had a vision for this, for exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. So just some, and he wouldn't have done it without the integrity, without showing up. Right. Yep. Yep. I remember when I was a kid, my grandma, I was like on the phone with her once and she was like, I can see you. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, there's a camera and I can see you and we're talking. And I mean, this is when I was like five, like, you know, 1995. And it's like, now here we are and we're doing this. But back then it was like crazy, right? It was like, that's never going to happen. And it's like, she had that idea. And it's like, that's part of the ethers. It's like that came to her, but Steve Jobs is the one that took the action. And that's what Elizabeth Gilbert says in that book. Like the idea doesn't care if you are the one or not, but if you don't do anything about it, it'll go find somebody else. And she gives a specific example of she was writing a book um, about some woman that traveled to the rainforest on a business trip or whatever. And she put the book down and then she went to a luncheon and met her favorite author at the time. And her favorite author said something to her and then ended up giving Elizabeth Gilbert a kiss on the cheek or, or Elizabeth Gilbert kissed the woman on the cheek, the author on the cheek. And then Elizabeth Gilbert quit the book. And then the woman, the author that she met, went and wrote a book about some woman who went to the rainforest on some business mission. And Elizabeth Gilbert swears that the idea was trans- transmitted with the kiss. Wild. You know, who knows? But, and the book was different. Like she makes sure to explain, like there were some fundamental differences, but still, you know, so. Yeah. Do what, do what God tells you to do and then watch what happens. Yeah. I'm very ask us to do a lot of work, you know? Yep. I think the, the question that a lot of people get, though, is how do I know it's my own mind versus God, which I think you touched on where it's like, is it coming from love? Is there any other way that you could describe knowing the difference? Usually when um, something hits me out of left field, it's from God. Like if I, if I say, God, would you please guide my thinking today? And then I forget that I asked that question and then I'm driving along and you pop into my head for someone to reach out to, to see if you're doing okay. That's from God. Yeah. And it's always on a day where I'm there. It's like a shit show happening over here and you just know. 
right. And there was very little thinking. It was like, call Sarah. Oh, hey, Sarah, how are you? Text Sarah. And that was it. So usually it's like when you're trying to force yourself to hear what you want to, you can, you can, the mind is incredibly sneaky in the sense that you could say, God, you know, God told me to jump off a bridge and that the angel would save me. You know, that's, that's wacky. So it's hard to tell. I mean, I think that it's, it's just about experimentation, you know, like I find for me, I was, um, I haven't been practicing as much, but I'm a fairly devout Kundalini Yogi. And um, if you wake up in the morning before dawn and you do an hour of Kundalini yoga and you get finished before the sun comes up, um, you can, you could trust what's going to, you could, there's a good chance you can trust what sort of messages come to you. But that's so a ton of work, you know, and you know, that's why I find like um, clergy people, you know, or monks, particularly like sexually abstinent clergy people or monks, like all of their energy is going to uh, nurturing that relationship between them and God so that they can hear very clearly what it, the divine is expressing to them. You know, it's really, you could take this stuff as far as you want, you know, but also, those people aren't, you know, they're not taking stuff. They're just working with what they have and, and living virtuously, you know, truly virtuously. Right. Yeah. You know, this is something that a thought that I've had, which like we both studied the gene keys. And so just listeners, if, if you know what the gene keys are in the 31st gene key, I was looking at the city. And the city is all about actually becoming that divine consciousness. Like you are actually uh, immer like merging with that divine consciousness. And when I was reading it, it talks about how like you totally leave your ego self and your, your entire life, you leave it behind. And you just, all that you're focused on is being a vessel. And so you, you don't even care what you're saying. You're just saying it because it's coming to you through God. And I think a lot of people who get, you know, stuck within that astral circus, it's like, that's what they're trying so hard to find is this like divine connection and like being an all knowing being and everything. But I, I don't think that that's actually what a lot of them want. I think that what most of us want is just inner peace, to be at peace within ourselves. And we think that we have to merge with divine consciousness in order to have that. And I just, when I read that city, I was just like, I don't want to be in an, you know, a divine being in that way, like leaving my life and my experience of life behind. Like I want to be in the experience of my life. And so, yeah. No, I hear you. There's, there's this funny article in the onion that um, it just says a uh, woman living in the moment quickly realizes that there are other moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like we might want all the peace in the world, but then somebody's going to freaking die. You know what I mean? Like, and now that peace has been disrupted, you know, or you get in a crash or something happens that is so far beyond your control. There's nothing you can do, but to be with the experience itself, you know? And I think yeah. that there's, there's a fine line between escape and evolution. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. It's like there's this, there's this thought that 
once you're enlightened, you're no longer affected by life. Where it's like, oh, no, I'm just at peace and tranquil all the time. Even when shit's burning around me, I'm just peace and, and tranquil. Right. But that fire really starts to hurt the closest, the closer it is when it starts touching your skin. You right. Know? And uh, Because yeah. you're still a human. You're still a human on Earth. Like, why else did you, did, like, did, do you really think that we came here to escape our humanity? Like, why would we have come here then? I know. And according to certain spiritual whoever's, right, there are other planets that exist and other galaxies and other dimensions where there is no conflict, where everything is rosy and it's the eternal wave that never ends and it's all well and good, but we come here to do work. We came to Earth to accomplish things and we get set on these journeys. You know, we get set on like our own little personal hero's journeys and our job is to accept our missions. And there are people who accept their missions and people who don't. And it's fine. You don't have to, you know. But I look at my, my, um, my addiction experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't, there's no way that I would ever want that experience taken away from me, ever. It was just amazing. And it could, could have killed me. I mean, super easily. But I think that's, you know, if you're not playing a somewhat deadly game, sometimes... <laughs> It's the point. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can kind of agree with that. I'm a bit of a rebel myself. <laughs> Got to live life a little wild, you know. Okay, so before I ask you one last question, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we have not touched on? No, thank you so much for having me. I hope I didn't uh, ramble on too long with some of those answers. Oh no, I. I loved your answers. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, where can people find you? Um, you can just go to, uh, well, there's three, there's magicpisces.com. So you can listen to my podcast, the Magic Pisces podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on all the major ones, I believe. Um, and then there's magicpisces.com. Uh, you can email me transform at magicpisces.com. And then there's also my last woo woo is transformation trio, um, which is a, uh, coaching company I started with two other coaches one name is one's name is Linnell Harris African-American from Chicago another one is Carlos Jones um really amazing brilliant spiritual uh coach from um Washington and the three of us have the transformation trio we started and you can go to transformation trio and download an ebook um called three doors three keys and or you can find me on Facebook just become my Facebook friend and we'll be Facebook friends <laughs> Okay, cool. Thank you. Okay, so this last question I have for you is my podcast is for women. And I want to know what you like so deeply want every single woman to like truly know and embody. Wow, that's a good question. I would honestly just say the at the risk of sounding woo woo, the divinity of femininity. Hmm. You know, fem femininity is, it's an incredibly beautiful force in its own right. And just to perhaps explore what that word means at the deepest and most divine level. I love that. My, that, those words just touched my heart. Like I could, I could feel that. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you for that.
And thank you for being here with me today. Thank you so much. And just anything is possible for anyone. Um, it just is. You know, it just anything is possible. So that's what I would just like to leave. Thank you.